If you've been wishing, hoping, and dreaming about taking your business from six figures to multi-six figures or multi-six figures to seven figures, then I want to make sure you get our new free guide, the multi-six and seven-figure scaling roadmap. Inside the guide, I pull back the curtains and I shared all the strategies that I used and they can help you too. First, they can help you triple your monthly sales. I shared proven strategies with you that led to a 3x increase in my monthly sales. Second, I show you exactly how to crush your limiting beliefs. Say goodbye to doubts like, you can't charge that much and there aren't enough ideal clients for you too. Third, how to only work with ideal clients. I show you how to become the go-to expert and attract only the perfect clients and referrals. And finally, I show you how to quantum leap to $20,000 plus every single month. I show you exactly how to take a quantum leap from $8,000 per month, for example, to $20,000 a month. You can absolutely break through your upper limit barrier and enjoy five and six figure months every single month. Make 2024 your dream come true year by downloading your free guide today. Just click the link in the show notes below. Welcome to Double Your Sales Now, your resources to selling strategies, tips, and best practices to take your performance to the next level. There's no reason you can't double your sales. So let's get to it with your sales coach, Ursula Menches. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Double Your Sales Now, where you learn all the tips, mindset shifts, tools, and strategies to two times your sales in any niche. I'm your host, Ursula Minches, and I'm super excited to dive into today's show. And let me tell you why. Christy Spriggan is amazing, and she was introduced to me by my dear friend, Kim Summers. But you know when there's just people who show up in your life for a reason? <laughs> I know Christy and I are supposed to be connected, and we had a cancellation on the show. She was going to be on in a few weeks, but it's just meant to be. So, Christy, I just want to say welcome, and I'm super excited for this divine connection. Me too. Thanks for having me. So you have an incredible background, and I'm going to share a little bit about you, and then you're going to tell your story. And for all the listeners, I just want to say hello. I know we have listeners all over the world now, and we're just so grateful to have you as part of our family. And I hope that today inspires you and motivates you to do something different. So let me tell you about Kirsty. She's one of the most sought-after inspirational speakers, most often booked to open or close her conference. She's known for her ability to shift the tone of an event to help the audience connect with themselves, and others in a deeper, more meaningful way, and to help clients foster a culture of vulnerability throughout their event and beyond. I love that. She does this by modeling her own beautiful, heart-opening vulnerability. Kirstie's ability to share moving, thought-provoking, and emotional topics with compassion, strength, and her signature Australian humor helps the audience become comfortable with going just a little bit deeper. Kirstie is a truth-teller, which she's going to tell us about that. She's also a connector and a powerful storyteller. Her courageous story has touched diverse audiences all over the world. She's trusted by her clients, and her videos have been watched by more than 1.7 million people in over 120 countries. Her work has also been nominated for two PRISM Awards by the Entertainment Industry Council. She's been featured in Fox Business, Women's Health, The Huff Post, Forbes, The Today Show, and more. And she was also in real estate and very successful there, and she's going to tell you about that. So, Christy, I want you to just share a little bit of your story. Tell us about, you know, your story in sales, but also just your story as an entrepreneur and what it means to be a truth teller. (laughs) 
Well, thank you so much. What a great intro. So for everyone out there who's listening, I know that a huge amount of your audience are here because of the sales side of things. And really, my career began in sales. I was in the top 100 of 120,000 agents worldwide for Remax and was a very successful realtor before I decided to give it all up and go and become a speaker when I'd spoken twice in my life. And that was to new salespeople when I first got asked to start training them. And then, you know, now I'm in LA with an online TV show and our first big event coming up, Truth Telling for Truth Seekers in LA, which is, you know, really what I've transitioned into now. And I think that it's all connected. You know, when I look back at the threads there, sales is where I cut my teeth on learning how to be a truth teller and learning how to be vulnerable and with clients. I think that often we think we have to separate out that personal relationship and business relationship and we have to put on a mask and be something different or someone else when we want to be successful salespeople and I certainly felt like that in the beginning and as I've gotten more and more comfortable in my own skin I've realized that my best relationships with clients who've come with me over 10, 20 years, over two and three careers and have stayed with me and continue to be in my world, it's because we have a personal connection because I was willing to tell them the truth when it was tough. I was willing to have the tough conversations. I was willing to be vulnerable enough to share who I am, which makes it so much easier in business to be able to be yourself and to be authentic. And so, yeah, that's really where I've ended up today. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for just sh- – I have so many questions. This is so cool because I can already tell my <laughs> listeners are going to – they're just, like, taking notes. They're like, Ursula, ask those questions. So – Here's what I'm curious about. So you were in the top 100 in Remax. I mean, that is a phenomenal achievement, and congratulations. I mean, that, you know, is incredible. And But you said something interesting. You're talking about, like, telling people the truth, including your clients. And we talk a lot on the show about how hard sometimes it is to pick up the phone and follow up, much less tell someone the truth. Like, what? So tell us more about that journey, you know, with your clients. Like, what are some examples of how you, you know, told the truth or how did that help you in business by being so vulnerable? Because you're right. I mean, so many of us are afraid Mm. to be who we really are, especially in the sales cycle, in the sales world. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, obviously in every sales cycle, it's different in every industry, it's different. But certainly for me, there were times where an example would be, you know, you're selling someone's biggest life investment and they have a lot of attachment to that. They have a lot of ideas around what they think it's worth and the market may not agree. And so having to sit and have a conversation with them that their home that they think is worth a million dollars and we have an offer on the table for $600,000, there can be a really hard thing to have to talk to somebody about. So telling them the truth around, you know, not sugarcoating that because a lot of agents and people in general would want to try and rescue them. And Mm -hmm. so that doesn't help your client. Just like being a parent, sometimes you have to discipline your child and be the bad guy. You can't want to be liked more than you want to tell them the truth. And so that's where, you know, it can get complicated. We can have all our own stuff running in our head from our own stuff that we don't want to mm-hmm. tell the truth because it makes us the bad guy or makes us feel bad. We want to, we, we're in guilt or shame or whatever it might be that's been triggered for us. So, you know, separating that out, doing your own inner work first is really helpful. But, you know, sometimes you're working on the go. I certainly was using clients as guinea pigs in my 20s. And so, you know, for me, getting the confidence and the courage to be willing to sit and have that conversation with them and be vulnerable and say 
I know this isn't where you want the offer to be, but this is where it is. And my job is to make sure that I tell you the truth and that I bring you the offers that are coming in and this is where we're at right now. And so, you know, I think there were another example of it would be when I think a lot of us deal with difficult clients and sometimes we take those on out of fear or scarcity. We don't know that in actual fact it probably costs us 10 other pieces of business because of the energy drain in dealing with somebody who's challenging like that. So I got to a place where I was like, one, I'm not going to tolerate this. If it's not aligned with my values, if they're doing something that doesn't work for me in that sense, then I'm going to be willing to have a conversation with them to see where this is coming from and what's really going on. And then I'll make a decision on whether or not I'm going to need to cut the ties. So rather than either just pushing someone away or, you know, sacking them as a client or going the other way of not saying anything, when, which is where most of us sit at one of those ends of the spectrum, I started getting the courage to be vulnerable enough to sit and have the awkward conversation, the tough conversation, and not just with clients but with family, with friends. You know, it starts to foster into every area of your life. But for me, when I did that, I remember the very first time I did it with a real estate client, she had just been obnoxious and was just incredibly challenging and difficult all of the time. And I felt like, are you kidding me? Like I've cancelled a trip to list her property at the time that she needed to go to market. I got a huge offers in the first weekend above asking price. And she was just constantly being challenging and difficult. But when I had the conversation with her, what I realized was is that she had a huge fear that if she took these offers early on, that I was almost just wanting to sell it so quickly so I could get the commission. And so this is all going on in her head and I had no idea about any of this and I'm thinking she's just being a bully and a pain in the ass and, and I've done all this stuff for her and so and she didn't get that. So when we had the conversation, it was actually a really easy fix that we were able to clear up and talk about and had I not done that, she probably wouldn't have taken those offers. Now, what we know is that in real estate in particular, often the very best offers come in the first two weeks. If you do a good job and you market right. the property yeah. effectively, you're not going to get a better offer six months after a property sat on the market. But owners can fear that, thinking, well, I'm taking it too soon, it's too low, I'm putting, you know, blah, blah, blah. So it's like I had to have that courageous conversation with her and from that we were able to make sure that she got the best offer for her property and was willing to accept it which wouldn't have happened. We probably would have both left this situation feeling really crappy about it if we hadn't have talked about that. Such a great story, and thanks for sharing it. And the, just the power of being vulnerable, being yourself, but also managing the sales process. I mean, obviously, you're a pro. You hone those skills. I'm going to come back to that because I want to talk a little bit about closing sales before we finish today. But so going back, when you, you know, you were, I think you said you were in your 20s when you were launching into real estate, did you have any limiting beliefs about sales in the beginning? I think it's more about myself. I think there were, you okay. know, I was too young. I was the youngest in the office. I was blonde. People are going to take me seriously. Are they going to be willing to invest, you know, to put their biggest investment with to trust somebody so young? And when everybody around me in the office was 60-year-old men. And so there was some beliefs around not being good enough or not being trusted or being judged and, in general, not feeling like I had the skills and the confidence to go with it. So after you had like your first big month or big quarter or even big year, like was there a moment mm -hmm. when your beliefs shifted because you were doing it like, like a moment where you're like, oh my gosh, I'm doing it. I'm making great money. I'm serving my clients. Do you remember a moment like that? And if so, what did you yeah. believe about sales and selling after that? 
Yeah, I mean, look, I it kind of happened very fast for me. Like in the first year I was in the rankings for the state, in the second year like in the top 10 in the country, and by the third year in the top 1% worldwide. So it was a very – I had been – my father was in real estate. I had been listening to Zig Ziglar tapes and Brian Tracy since I was like 15. Mm-hmm. I always had a strong work ethic at 15. I had like three part-time jobs, and by the time I finished school, you know, I was I studied my real estate, got my triennial to own and operate an office, the youngest in the country, to qualify. So there, it was kind of like I had this hustle in me that now has been replaced by a lot more trust. And I operate from a very different selling methodology in place than I did 20 years ago. But I think that hustle was necessary in the beginning because I didn't have much of anything else. And you get to a place of trust when you have the skills and the confidence and all those other things to back it. But I think what shifted for me was probably just an an expansiveness around what I knew was now possible, what I was capable of if I did the work if I developed the skills and I worked with clients. And also, a, I guess what happened in those first few years was a shift in, in trusting myself in terms of, you know, there were a lot of naysayers in the beginning. There were a lot of people who didn't believe that I could do it. There were a lot of people who were willing to support a young blonde girl in the office until she started being more successful than them. So 12 months in, when I was writing double most of the people in the office, those same people didn't want to help anymore. And so there was a lot of, there was a steep learning curve for me around who really had your back and who didn't. And, and that was hard, you know, because I wanted to be liked by everybody. And so there was a big shift, probably the biggest shift was around trusting myself, knowing that I was capable of doing this, trusting that I could do it my way, you know, because a lot of them wanted me to sit on the phone and make hundreds of hours of cold calls. And that didn't work for mm-hmm. me. Now that does work. Door knocking work, Facebook marketing work, all of these strategies in sales work. But for me, it was about finding what worked for me and trusting that. And what worked for me was building strong relationships, networking, bringing groups of people together for lunches, going to breakfast networking events. You know, half of my business came from networking groups that I belong to. But that took 18 months to build those relationships and to be consistently showing up. So I think what was the most profound shift was that trust in myself and knowing that I could do it in a way that worked for me, sell in a way that worked for me. Because not everyone was selling through having tough conversations and through connecting with their clients and inviting them to breakfast and lunches. You know, I remember being in a training session where the guy said, stop wasting your time going out and having Nest Cafe appointments, which, you know, with coffee appointments, like sitting and having a chat with people and that weren't going to do anything immediately. And when I looked at my listings at that time I had 10 or 15 properties on the market and I think it was like 80% of them had come from having a coffee with someone a year before and so Mm. I then went that doesn't work for me I don't agree with that you know what works for me is staying in touch with people long enough that when they're ready they're going to call me building that relationship and understanding there's an incubation period of 9 to 18 months and that I have to stay top of mind and in their world for when they are ready. And that worked for me. Well, I want to go a little bit deeper there. I mean, so networking and building relationships. So would you say those are the top, I mean, they're kind of the same thing. Are those the top two strategies that Mm -hmm. weren't the best for you? Oh, yeah, 100% connecting with people. Yeah. And And I I get that. It's for me because it's aligned with my values. It's aligned with 
what brings me joy. You know, I call it thirking instead of working, combining fun and work. And, you know, I, I wanted to make sure that I built a, a career and a legacy and was on a journey that I loved. It wasn't just about closing a sale. Yeah. So, and I, I love that. I think what, and what you're pointing out is that different things work for different people and you've got to find what's in alignment with your values when you're out marketing, when you're out connecting, yeah. like what works for you. Some people love to be on Facebook. Some people love to have coffee. Mm-hmm. Like, when you're having fun, you know, that's when people feel it. They feel your confidence. They feel your excitement and they, they tend to connect. So I'm curious. About, so one thing I'm really clear on, <laughs> I've been in the sales world for a while. My husband and I were involved in a real estate company for quite a while and have owned a lot of real estate and worked with a lot of realtors and phenomenal experience. What I saw really quickly is that, especially in, you know, in real estate, when people have this emotional connection to their home, which I get, you know, mm-hmm. there's that wanting to build the relationship, but also wanting to tell the truth. Within all of that, then there's when do you close the sale? So I'm curious, like, what was your philosophy on closing the sale, knowing that, you know, it's a, a competitive market? Look, I, you know, in with real estate, what I found very quickly is you really can't force anyone to buy a home that they don't like. You know, a lot of people said to me, oh, my God, you're like a master salesperson closer. And it's like, I just didn't resonate with that personally. I felt like, what I did is made sure that they felt comfortable, that they were educated, that they were informed, that if this was the home that they loved, I was able to help them in the best possible way to feel good about that decision. And then it was like, you know, yes, you can put some pressure on them in terms of if there are other offers in play and it's the first few weeks on market and making sure that they're getting in there fast and quickly. I think that, you know, there were little things that, again, all of your listeners are in different industries, so it's going to change depending on what they're doing. But I, I saw a lot of agents who would, you know, if an offer came in really low, they wouldn't bother going to write it up or they would do it by, you know, fax back then or email now, whereas I took the time to put every single offer on paper because that is part of your closing process, part of it with the buyer and part of it with the seller. The seller needs to be educated and conditioned to understand what the market's willing to pay. They're not going to do that if you don't put the offer in because you believe it's too low or they're going to be offended or upset. You're doing them a disservice. So making sure that you're taking the time to take every sale and every offer and every opportunity to the seller helps them to understand where the market's at even if they don't want to take that offer. And it also means that the buyer is feeling like this is serious. They're actually going through the motions and the process. And even if it doesn't end up being the final offer, it also gets Mm -hmm. them in that mindset. And they may, you know, that's part of the negotiation and the back and forth. They may come up. You never know how much extra somebody has in their pocket that they're willing to pay. But if you don't start, if you don't get it on paper and you don't start having those conversations and sitting down with them, so don't be afraid to, to kind of get the paperwork out and get things rolling in that sense. Yeah, that's a great point. What about listings? Different or in terms were you of, mostly a buyer's agent? Listing a home versus helping someone buy one. Yeah. I mean, look, for me, it was always, I was a selling agent. So in Australia, how it works is you pretty Got much, it. you list properties and you sell them. And so the, I wasn't acting as a buyer's agent in that conversation. I was talking about when a buyer would come through the home open and want to sign up. But certainly, like, you know, I think that it's always about having the listings if you can, because that's where Mm -hmm. you make the money 
100% whether you're bringing the buyer or you allow another agent to split the commission. And it's how you build a reputation and a name. So no matter what type of sales you're in, whether it's real estate or something else, in that context of having the listings, it's about building your brand and being seen in the suburb and getting known. So no matter what your what it is that you're selling, it's important that you have your signing up product. Got it, got it, sure. So in either case, it was utilizing the same really skills of telling them the truth, supporting them through the process, and really serving them, which we talk a lot about on this show. So beautiful. So I want to have, I want to give you some time. Chris, you're an expert in so many things. (laughs) Definitely an expert in truth telling. You're an expert in sales. You're a very, very successful entrepreneur. I'd love for you to share two to three strategies with our listeners, things that you typically share with your clients now or with your audiences that will support them in some way. Yeah, I think, you know, fear is probably one of the things that I talk about the most. I think that, you know, often people can sort of initially be talking about it in the sense of, oh, I'm feeling really flat. I don't know if I'm depressed. I don't know if I'm stuck in a funk. I can't seem to get in creative flow. Or maybe they're experiencing a high level of anxiety and every day they're just feeling like this anxious, frenetic energy. And so often we don't recognize that that's what fear is and or that it can be the beginning stages of fear so for people who are you know struggling to pick up that phone or starting out in business or even when you've been doing this forever you know I probably go through a fear cycle like every three months and it's because I constantly push myself and stretch myself and taking on bigger goals and so I think recognizing when you have fear coming to visit, that it's going to hang around, that it's almost now a conversation for me of like, oh, hi, thanks for coming back. (laughs) I don't need you today. But, you know, deciding that, okay, well, I'm going to have to hold its hand. It's not really going anywhere. So how do I manage my way through this? And for me, that is firstly kind of recognizing that it's there and then going, okay, I cannot operate like When we look at what fear does to our brain, you know, it slows it down, it shrinks it, it makes us uh, challenged in terms of having social interactions, it cuts down your memory. So you really cannot operate from that place. But most of us, what we want to do is we want to push through it because, well, I'm overwhelmed, I'm busy, I'm already behind, I'm anxious because I'm not selling or uh, this isn't working. So we think we just will push through it. Well, that just exasperates it and you can't make any clear decisions for yourself or your business when you've got the fear brain. For me, it's about what I call finding our baseline and stepping back. Our baseline is really that place where you're at a, you're calm. It's like nothing would upset you, water off a duck's back. It's the place that we're at when we've had a four week vacation and, and being switched Mm -hmm. off from the world. And so finding that way to get back, you know, it's that taking some time to go backwards to go forwards. And so it might feel like we don't have the time, but you have to make the time. And sometimes just going to the beach or putting our feet in the sand or the grass or going outdoors, just giving ourselves permission that, okay, I can just stop. In an hour or two, you can find your baseline and you can get back to that grounded place or meditation Sometimes you need a day or two. You know, you might need to go and watch some Hallmark movies on the couch with apple pie and have the duvet. But it's about stepping back and being gentle with ourselves and asking ourselves what this fear is trying to tell us, what it's about, why we're so scared. For me, when I hit that rock bottom, I'll have my little cry, I'll figure out what it's really about. When I really acknowledge that truth to myself, that's when I can move forward. It's like it releases itself yeah. from the grasp of that fear and that paralysis. 
and all of a sudden I'm then able to get back into that creative flow state. I can do 10 times the work in a few hours that I would have been stuck trying to do over a period of a week in that fear place. So it often helps us to propel us when we're able to clear that block. Well, phenomenal. I mean, it's it's such a great reminder because I think we – it's easy to let fear control us, which is a perfect segue. I know you have an amazing event coming up on April 22nd in California. I'd love for you to tell our listeners all about it. Even, you know, no matter where you live, this, you know, you can certainly fly in. It's easy to fly into LAX. So, Kirsty, tell us more about that event. What's going to happen there? How can we get tickets? Yes, it's April 22nd in Los Angeles. It's, uh, the website is truthtellingfortruthseekers.com. They can use the code TRUTH, and this week, for five days, we have a buy one, get one. So buy one, number one, buy one, get one is the code. I'll send them all through to you, and you can share them with the interview. But basically, the event, it's a full day, truth-telling with several truth speakers. It's kind of like a TEDx meets open mic storytellers. We have a sound bath healing. If anyone hasn't done vibrational healing, it's so amazing. In the afternoon, we have singers, we have entertainment, we have a comedian who's done the White House, and every single person on the program is a truth teller and has been through some kind of trauma, shame, stigma in their life and been able to move through it and inspire others through sharing those stories. And, you know, I started off by talking about, you know, in the corporate space that I really believe that we can't go professionally where we won't go personally. And so I think that this stuff holds us back. It's part of where the fears are. It's part of where we hold back from being vulnerable. It's part of where we we hide our truth or think that we shouldn't speak our truth. And it's not just those massive truths. It's also the little ones like maybe you're unhappy in your job or maybe you're unhappy in your relationship or in your city or whatever it might be. And maybe you're unhappy in certain conversations, but we stay in them. So this day is really about giving people the ability to start listening to themselves and hear what their truths might be and then having the courage and the confidence to start speaking their truth wherever that might be for them, whether it's just for themselves or whether it's one-on-one or whether it's in a bigger platform like myself. And so, you know, I'm really excited. I think that the lineup is powerful and anyone who's attending is going to get the courage to transform their life. Beautiful. So one more time, give us the website. And if someone would like to connect with you directly, how could they do that? And are you on social media? Yes, I'm on everywhere at Kirsty TV, mm-hmm. so K-I-R-S-T-Y TV. They can email me, Kirsty at KirstySpragan.com. If they Google me, my website has all the contact info. Happy for anyone to reach out. When you post this, if there's an ability for people to engage with comments and questions, I'll certainly check in. And the website is truthtellingfortruthseekers.com. The code is either truth or buy one, get one for the next five days. Beautiful. Kirsty, I want to thank you for being here today, and we wish you much success with your inaugural event. I'm sure it's going to be fantastic. So thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been wonderful. Our pleasure. Yes, and so good to know you. And I want to thank our listeners all over the world. We're so grateful for you. If there's anything we can do for you, please reach out to me directly at Ursula, U-R-S-U-L-A, at salescoachnow.com. You can also go to our website for our free gifts. So go to salescoachnow.com, and there you'll find a free webinar. It's all about how to sell without feeling pushy. And I know a lot of you who have watched it love it. So I want to encourage you, if you haven't gotten that yet, it's free training. And if you're looking for a sales trainer or keynote speaker for your next event, definitely reach out to us at contact at salescoachnow.com and my team can give you my schedule. Thanks, everybody, and make this your best year yet. Thank you for listening to Double Your Sales Now. 
To get even more information to take your sales to the next level, visit us at salescoachnow.com. That's salescoachnow.com. Join us again next week to learn how to double your sales now. Thank you.